The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Amplifier Advisors, LLC, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, Jonathan Aberman. And welcome to this What's Working in Washington Extra, where we unpack important issues of our time. There are a few issues as important to the local business community than what seems to be emerging. A consensus view that the tech industry may, in fact, need to be more closely regulated. Facebook, Amazon, Google, Uber, Airbnb, and others have dramatically changed our society and economy in ways that, frankly, I don't think their founders or maybe our nation's founders could have ever imagined. It appears these companies have created dislocations and challenges that are attracting, let's face it, a lot of attention. Well, what are we to make of this emerging regulatory consensus? What will it mean for our economy, the upcoming 2020 elections, and the technology industry as a whole? These are things that have been on my mind, and to answer these questions and others, I have three guests with me here in the studio. Richard Levick, the chairman and CEO of Levick, an internationally recognized expert on crisis communication and the intersection of technology and society. Richard, welcome. Thank you. It's good to have you here. (laughs) Phil Bond, president of government affairs for Potomac International Partners and a former undersecretary of commerce for tech. Phil, great to have you. My pleasure to be here. And Elizabeth Rogers, partner in Michael Best and one of our country's leading privacy attorneys who spends her time balancing the complex challenges that are raised by our ever-increasing reliance on digital technologies and a desire to preserve our privacy. I can't think of a better group of people to get after this. Regulation, technology, it seems to be everywhere, but what strikes me most of all is in this town where everything's so darn segmented, it looks like this is a bipartisan movement. What's your reaction? What is it about tech that's making this happen? Well, there's a couple of things. I'll jump in first. The size of these companies, the economic value of these companies uh, has has drawn attention. Uh, that's one. In fact, Bill Barr said in his hearings to be attorney general that he wanted to look at antitrust for these big tech companies. I think it's five of the top six uh, highest valued companies right now in the country are tech companies. So that's one. But it's also these uh, well-publicized breaches and, and data getting out, uh, personally identifiable information getting out that has people by the millions alarmed. And when people by the millions are alarmed, politicians tune in. I sense that part of the reason it is bipartisan is because the Republicans want regulation, but they don't want it to constrict innovation. And so being in an anti-regulatory climate, they want to make sure whatever is passed has got some controls on it so that there can be the growth in innovation in high tech. Of course, Democrats have got always have had the consumer's privacy interest at heart. So working together, we hope they can achieve somewhere in the middle. I was going to say, I think that's a powerful point because it is bipartisan, but they are for very different reasons. Mm. So don't assume that the view is all the same. The end goal seems to be the same. But what Josh Hawley talks about, uh, Senator Hawley talks about on the Decency Act is a long ways from breaking up the tech companies like Elizabeth Warren is saying. And that's really what I'm curious about. Richard, you've been um, commenting on the development of the media and privacy in various ways uh, through your columns and Forbes and, and elsewhere. You say the Democrats and Republicans look at this differently. What, what are the, the big differences? 
Well, you know, I think Phil's raised uh, an excellent point here, and clearly we're going to have a love fest on the radio where we yeah. keep agreeing with each other. Uh, but, you know, there are different things that drive different people. For me, I find the esoteric issues fascinating, and I, I think where we're at right now is that privacy is becoming a luxury good, and that's the real challenge. Facebook used to be on Mount Rushmore two years ago, along with the other fang, you know, Facebook and Apple and Amazon, uh, and increasingly they've gone from that stature to Target and I think they make very attractive targets. The question for regulators is how successful are we really going to be? Uh, to some degree, it's, uh, it's certainly unlike railroads, maybe a little bit unlike a telephone, and certainly unlike the printing press. That is, there's a network effect in every category, social media, Facebook, name who else survives there. We vaguely remember MySpace. Twitter, who can you still name who's a competitor? Amazon, maybe Walmart, but they really have no competitors. And so the question is, even if Elizabeth Warren says, break them up, I don't, I can't envision that in a marketplace. And the only exception here, Uber and Lyft, and we're still uh, wait to see what the real cost is of that kind of shared transportation. Will anything more than a single player survive? And even if it's a duopoly, is that really breaking them up? Well, here's what I'm getting at, because it, there, there are two different significant issues here. One is the whole issue of, of privacy. And can we be forgotten? Is privacy in fact, going to become a luxury item. But then the second issue is economic concentration, you know, and how do you, speaking to somebody who gets involved in helping start companies, one of the biggest challenges I have as an investor is figuring out how an emerging company can compete with these large, mm -hmm. well-capitalized companies. So these two things have gotten conflated, it's, it seems to me. And is that what's going on? That it's a, it just happens that Democrats are more concerned about economic power and concentration. Republicans are concerned about how that powers being used to promote certain idea. You know, it's 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 all, let's unpack it a bit. Well, I think one of the uh, places you boil down to in 2019 is that the, it's really no longer an argument about privacy. It Privacy is antithetical to a social platform and s social is antithetical to privacy. So a lot of the um, advocates for not having too much regulation are falling along economic injury to the consumer. So antitrust violations by monopolizing all this data and what is the value of the data to me and you, a consumer, and how can we give me and you more control over our data um, such that it isn't um, increasing ads in certain very large um, internet service provider uh, advertising platforms. In other words, could there be a marketplace where we put the value on our own data so that the Internet service providers and ad platforms are not monopolizing it and profiting by our loss of that data? Right, because certainly what's happening now, effect, is none of these services are free. In fact, we're, we're paying for them with, with our attention. Uh, Phil, I, when you were at, the, mm -hmm. uh, at Commerce, I'm assuming that you spent a lot of time thinking about from policy perspective – what makes it so hard to uh, get after regulating technology vis-a-vis, -vis, say, the airlines or media companies? Why is tech getting so much attention right now? Well, I think uh, because they have been, in my view, rightly perceived for the last decade or more as the primary driver of uh, growth and innovation in the economy. As Amer in America, as a high-priced uh, labor market and so forth, we don't survive without ongoing innovation. We don't continue to grow. So 
because of that, they've kind of been the golden child of American politics for for a good while now. Obviously, that is no longer the case. Uh, they've given politicians and the body politic and consumers all multiple reasons to to really be concerned about what's going on there. So the bloom is off that rose, but that's why for a long time uh, that that that's and that'll still be the argument because you know if you look at the GDPR in Europe, I think they are harming European innovation even as they're pursuing some things that are in the short term, politically popular. So I think we're going to have to find that kind of balance where, and and Elizabeth alluded to it already, where through the technology, you give more power and control to the consumer so that they feel like no information is going to get out there that I don't want to share. And millennials, by the way, seem to want to share everything. (laughs) That's another story. But, um, and then others will be more restrictive. I think, I think that goes a long ways toward it, but it's not, you know, tech is the tip of the spear, but every company that now uses those platforms for marketing also has a vested interest in this because it is a powerful, efficient marketing platform. So it sounds to me that, that regulation really is something that is going to happen. After the break, I want to turn our conversation to what are the current limitations on some of these regulations and where do we see things going? I'm here with Phil Bond, the president of government affairs for Potomac International Partners, Richard Levick, founder and CEO of Levick, Elizabeth Rogers, a partner Michael Best, is what's working in Washington. We'll be right back. Thank you to our sponsor, the Greater Washington Board of Trade. The Greater Washington Board of Trade represents leading businesses, nonprofit organizations, and academic institutions, and has helped shape the development of our region for over 130 years. Visit boardoftrade.org to learn about how a Board of Trade membership can help your organization succeed in this rapidly changing marketplace. And we're back and what's working in Washington Extra. We're talking about the emerging trends of regulation of the tech industry. I'm here in the studio with Richard Levick, the founder and CEO of Levick, Phil Bond, a former Undersecretary of Commerce for Tech, and Elizabeth Rogers, partner in Michael Best, and one of our country's leading privacy attorneys. Before the break, I teased out, and I think it's a great place to go, Phil. You'd mentioned earlier in the segment uh, privacy rules, particularly in Europe, are starting to harm innovation. Uh, Richard, I know you were about to, to come in on that. Where, where are we right now from a regulatory standpoint here in the United States with respect to things like privacy and antitrust? I know there's a lot of churn around it, but where are we right now? The point that Elizabeth was raising before the break in terms of how this splits politically and that Phil was talking about the impact of regulation uh, on innovation, and that is since GDPR, that is the European Requirement of Disclosure, that what we've seen is a decline in the number of investments, the size of investments, and it's actually hurting innovation, it's hurting small companies. And that's going to be a real challenge from a democratic point of view. Oh, regulation, but then if it means less innovation, not the message they, uh, they want to send. Two is what a life raft to uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, hence his recent article, uh, op-ed in the Washington Post and others around the world, in which of his four pillars, one of them is, oh, let's regulate. And what he really means is we can afford it. We know that smaller companies can't, and this just helps us more dominate the market. And I think just like everything else in today's political environment, the the political spectrum that we all grew up with, the left and the right, doesn't really fit anymore. It's going to be a real challenge as we look at tech. 
I have libertarian friends who are really concerned about privacy, and I have progressive mm -hmm. friends that are really concerned about privacy for com completely different ideological reasons, but there is a convergence. Okay, let's separate privacy. And Elizabeth, you've got some expertise on that. We'll come back to that in a moment or maybe right away. But the second one is antitrust. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. the concept of breaking up companies, you know, there's an argument that could be made and, and I could make as a venture investor that I hate it when there's a large, well-capitalized company with enormous resources and industry I want to I want to get into. Having said that, I talk with antitrust lawyers that I know who'd say, Jonathan, the, car, the, the horse has left the barn. It's too late. Antitrust doesn't apply. Um, let's start, Phil, let's start with the antitrust. What's the current state of play and is that right? Well, the uh, current state of play would say there are three three big indicators out there. One, we talked about presidential candidate uh, who's already calling for a breakup, but we heard the attorney general say he wants to look at that when he gets in. He's got a background in antitrust, so that's significant, I think. And then I think you see, um, you see also a lot of angst among other members of Congress on some of the relevant committees about Amazon's ability to buy up other areas by going to whole new markets or in Google's case, able to buy up every promising company that comes along in their space. So it, it heightens the barrier. The third, so the third indicator, our fourth indicator, I gave the one on the Hill, the fourth indicator would be this. There are serious people. I've been invited to some of these discussions, serious people in town looking at and thinking about how could you do it under the law? Uh, and they of course harken back to the Microsoft case, uh, back what, 20, 20 years ago now. But you could almost harken back, if you wanted to, you could harken back to AT&T. Mm -hmm. You know, the breakup of AT&T created the modern telecom industry, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Elizabeth, so if, if antitrust is going through this this period of transition, perhaps, where people are looking at what's old as new again and, and analogizing the, the tech companies to the oil companies, you know, we're going back to Teddy Roosevelt in some ways, where are we with privacy? I, I think they are intertwined at hmm. this point. And I, I would like to hopefully see that framework develop because I think that with the tech giants being the pioneers of the information age, much like the automobile makers were the pioneers of the manufacturing age and brought forth a lot of regulations in that era, what may have worked in the 20th century will not accomplish the objective for privacy under pure antitrust laws and rules. And the reason why is that so much of the, the uh, controversial scandals and gaffes that have been committed by these high-tech companies have to do with inappropriate data sharing practices, lack of transparency, not telling people. Now, that may be because they're too big, but it has to be both. There has to be a focus on the principles of privacy that are classic to the GDPR and others without killing the little companies that are not committing these sins. And the GDPR, some has come up a few times. Yeah. What's the GDPR? Okay. So the general data privacy regulations became effective in May of last year. In the European May of, community. Correct. Mm -hmm. And for any United States company doing business there and that passes the test, they also have to follow the same rules that the, the companies there do. That what's scarier in the United States is that there have been states that have passed laws such as California, Washington, the Senate in Washington just passed um, a similar uh, uh, law like California, the California Consumer Privacy Act. New York is looking at that. And I was speaking at a Duke Technology Law Conference just two months ago, and a man asked me from the audience who was a startup, so I just need to avoid California. Is that is that my answer? So I think leveling the playing field 
somehow is going to have to be the right answer. Yeah, and that is easier said than done. I mean, we've seen this movie before. Uh, we Something new comes along. The states are the experiments. They try to react usually much faster than the federal government can, and then we have to come in and preempt federal uh, state laws to get to some kind of level playing field. That will be hard to do in this political environment. In, indeed. Um, the European but, community has been very activist on the antitrust side against right. the technology giants. Right, right. And, and uh, I think there's already evidence, by the way, that that is not working very well. One of the stated reasons for GDPR was that because we were going to live up to this European level of privacy, there would be more trust in the European community, therefore more online engagement because there was greater trust. In fact, surveys have shown that does nothing to increase consumer trust in the EU, nothing to increase their online. And in fact, U.S. companies and websites uh, very often are just pulling out of the EU and saying, I don't want the hassle. So you may go to your favorite news website here in the U.S., and then you're in London, you can't get it. Richard, uh, over the years, you and I have talked about privacy more than once, and I think you may have even suggested it earlier, privacy is becoming a luxury good. It, it has become a luxury good. The wealthy can opt out. You know, in China right now, we have a citizenship test, and uh, the wealthy have a way of weighing, putting the thumb on the scale, if you will. But uh, increasingly, it's how viable are you uh, as a citizen? In our, in our, I get very, very confused over what privacy is anymore. You know, I uh, purchased the Google Nest, and it turns out we've got a two-way microphone in the very security system I set up to protect uh, my privacy. Uh, there is debate over the fact that we know Alexa is listening in because suddenly within 24 hours, you get all those ads for the Indian cookbooks after you buy Or it laughs at you. Uh, or it laughs at you. But that's, you know, I hear that all the time. So that's not unusual. That's not new. But increasingly, the technology <laughs> exists that is, it is can, can Alexa hear what you're thinking, uh, just thinking and not saying? And so when it comes to privacy, those challenges are just around the corner. I also think as Americans, we're a little bit spoiled. Yes, we have had an election that in 2016 that was infected by the Russians, as did the Indians, the Germans, the Germans uh, and the Filipinos. But I think it goes even deeper than that, and that is life and safety are increasingly at risk. And if you look at Myanmar, Facebook's role in having only two translators of Burmese, and you have the death of tens of thousands of Rohingyas, I, where they use Facebook as their primary platform. So when we, you know, we, we have the luxury here of talking about privacy, but I think increasingly these issues are going to become about presidential elections, local elections, life and death. And that's when it's going to become incredibly challenging. And I don't know what that means for the body politic. And I'm not going to well, let you off the hook because I'm going to take a break, Phil, and stop right. you there because I have to satisfy our sponsors here. <laughs> after the break, we're going to come back and we're going to get after that. We're going to prognosticate a bit about what this all means for the economy going forward. I'm here with Richard Levick, the CEO of Levick, Phil Bond, President of Government Affairs for Potomac International Partners, and Elizabeth Rogers, partner Michael Best. We'll be right back. Thanks to Auric, an international law firm that focuses on technology, energy, and infrastructure finance. Clients worldwide call on it for forward-looking commercial advice on transactions, litigation, and compliance. Learn more at auric.com.
We're back on What's Working in Washington and Extra. We're talking about the growing trend and emerging trend regulation of the tech industry. I'm here with Richard Levick, the CEO and founder of Levick, Phil Bond, President of Government Affairs for Potomac International Partners, and Elizabeth Rogers, a partner at Michael Best and an expert practitioner on privacy. Phil, before the break, I, I cut you off and I felt terrible. You've been waiting for a minute to come back in. So what's on your mind? <laughs> well, I think uh, Richard was talking about how these platforms, these companies have become so big and ingrained into our lives in ways that we uh, could never really imagine before. And I, and I think where the regulatory path could lead, and Mark Zuckerberg and others need to be cautious when they say, please regulate us, they are so vast and so intertwined with our lives that that maybe they should be regarded as public utilities that are privately owned companies, but essentially are a utility for the public. And that means much heavier regulation. That's magic language, which means that I'm operating a business where my ability to capture profits and my margins are actually second guessed and constrained by the public interest. You as think as if investors weren't alarmed enough about all the headlines and Zuckerberg having to testify and and calls for breakup and everything else, the embrace of regulation, while I think smart and necessary, is also fraught with long-term potential disaster. Elizabeth, you're nodding. I agree. And one of the reasons I agree um, is because many may have heard already the FTC is seeking um, greater authority to regulate privacy in this space, and they're asking for jurisdiction over common carriers. And so this will be a, a potential watershed moment in the, the grandparent of privacy regulation. And, and I would just add that while all of this is going on, while startups small and large are waiting to see what happens, those companies that are the most responsible with consumer privacy are going to be the most successful. And so we see the ones that have been so irresponsible yes. facing these regulations. And, and I think there aren't really good options when you think down that path a little bit. FTC regulation is necessarily being federal, going to be slower and a bit more ponderous. Leaving it to the states means that infamous patchwork quilt of that regulations work. that everybody always talks about. Mm -hmm. So that that's problematic. I think you will probably, in, in between those debates, hear more from industry saying, wait a minute. We can build more technology that puts the power in the hands of the consumer yes. rather than – and then you can have broad guidelines, but leave it to the consumer to pick and choose among those. So this is right. where the ideological fight is going to be because I can find people who would point to the history of American Telephone and Telegraph and say this was a natural monopoly. It was regulated. Everybody had phones. It was subsidized. Bell Labs created all these great innovations. It, it worked. How, how do you respond to that? You know, one is we're not very good at uh, – predicting the future. But if you recall back in 1984 when Judge Green breaks up AT&T into the baby bells, one of the last issues decided was this worthless concept that was in its nascence, which was wireless. What do we do with wireless technology? Oh, okay, AT&T, we'll take it. Well, that is the future. And that is why, once again, even though they broke them all up, just like almost every time we've done this, before, once again, you know, John D. Rockefeller was really upset a century ago about the split up of Standard Oil into what was it, 34 companies. But last time I looked, ExxonMobil had merged and those 30, 34 had largely become just one or two again. And I think, uh, how do we break them up? And is that really an answer? It makes us feel good. But I think, Phil, your point about the opportunity to regulate as utilities. Uh, a number of years ago, really was uh, the watershed moment. And 
And now that we don't think of them as utilities, we freely give our data, which may very well be more valuable than the service we get in return in quotes for free yeah. uh, from these companies. And so it changes the whole commercial well, and, structure. And there's another difference between AT&T and, and here. One, AT&T, the AT&T case was absent any glaring headlines about wrongdoing. Unlike the privacy and challenges like, like now. what we right. have today. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, because we're talking d about digits, um, you can say you're a utility and we're going to regulate you as such and we're going to slow you down as such. And somehow, somewhere between the jots and the tittles of that law, somebody will create a new platform and they will get the eyeballs in the traffic. So Which, it's it's like you know trying to uh, tattoo a water balloon or something. It's not Well, the whole point of creative destruction is yes. it, it was destruction. So I'm not going to let you all off the hook. Let's prognosticate for a moment. What do you think is going to happen? I don't think the feds can pass a uh, an omnibus privacy bill in the current political environment, which means the action is in the states and in Europe, uh, which has they've done this on a number of tech issues over the last 20 years where the U.S. chose not to move or could not move, and they kind of filled the void. So I think that's where the action is for a while, and then the action will be in the courts over some of these other issues and questions. Hmm. Um, I happened to have the opportunity to have met with the FTC in December of last year, and I believe what is going to happen as well alongside the movements by the states is there's a brand-new commission. There are four new commissioners, a brand-new chair. They're very aggressive as of last summer, testifying for more of this authority. And I think at the end of the day, until the Congress can pass a law there's going to be an increased enforcement by the FTC. They're struggling based on what we discussed with what the standard will be. Is that standard reasonable? How do you um, define that, especially when so many fines are at stake mm -hmm. for these companies to pay? So they are literally struggling themselves with how do you define harm to the consumer? How do you define um, what will make a company liable for a violation of Section 5. So I think that's where it's going to stay for a little while, along and, with Phil's point. And I think, um, you know, I said I, I can't see them passing an omnibus privacy bill. I can see, especially late in the session when an omnibus privacy bill hasn't passed, that people get together and say, well, at least we can agree on some increased enforcement regulation for the FTC. Right. And give them some more authority. What do you think, Richard? I, I think two areas that are not getting as much attention right now. First of all, litigation. I think we're going to see some extraordinary litigation where there are real damages. And as, as if I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, as if privacy isn't bad enough, where life, health, and safety are at issue, and um, we're going to be talking substantial judgments. And two, an area that is not getting a lot of attention: maritime. 90% of our goods travel by maritime. It's the Russians have made it clear that's where they're attacking next. It's not a heavily regulated mm -hmm. area, and I think extraordinary risk. Out of all the time that I've been on the air with you, Richard, I never would have thought of you as a maritime expert, and that's why I love having such great guests he, on my show. He just teed up the next show he wants to be invited <laughs> to. He really yeah. did. And But more importantly, in today's show, uh, I think that you all did a really great job of, of unpacking a very important issue. Anybody who's involved in technology needs to take regulation seriously. This is not a theoretical. It's an actual so, Richard, uh, thank you very much for coming, the CEO of Levick. It was great to have you. Thank you. And uh, Phil Bond, the uh, President of Government Affairs for Potomac International Partners. It was great to meet you and have My you My pleasure. As well. And Elizabeth Rogers, partner Michael Best, thanks for flying in and joining us in this episode. It was great to have you as well. Thank you so much for having me. That's what's working in Washington Extra. You learn something new today. Tune in next time and learn something else.
Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan, online writer Barbara Ulrich, music provided by two D.C. region bands, Two Car Living Room, and The Sunbathers. Tweet us at, at What's Working DC and tell us what you think of the show. Don't forget to like us on iTunes. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening. See you next time. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Monday afternoons at 2.30 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.